Turkey hunting is one of my favorite things. And one of the key tools I use for turkey hunting is the Onyx Hunt Map. I use it incessantly when I'm hunting turkeys. Being able to find a new piece of public or gaining permission on private opens up opportunities for gobblers. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you this spring. Use the code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt. You'll find more birds this season. I'm telling you, I rely on Onyx Hunt when I'm hunting turkeys. It is an invaluable turkey hunting tool. Hey, I'm excited to share our newest sponsor here on the Meat Eater Podcast, which is Poncho Outdoors. The reason I'm excited is I buy their shirts anyways. Dude, they make some good shirts. And they even have an option where if you're like a skinny dude, you can click like the skinny dude thing. It's great. Based in Austin, Texas, Poncho is committed to crafting the world's best outdoor shirts for men. Poncho is only sold on their own website. So head over to ponchooutdoors.com, use code MEATEATER, for a free hat or t-shirt with any purchase of a shirt. Poncho offers free shipping and returns, so you can try them out risk-free. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by OnX Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Download the Hunt app from the iTunes or Google Play Store. Know where you stand with OnX. Okay, our guest, Amber Cornack, right? Yeah. Eh. Cornack. Um, you got mauled by a bear, so there's that. But we're going to talk about <laughs> a lot. Of, we're going to talk about a lot of other stuff first and lay some groundwork. How, how sick are you? Of, are, are you sick of being the per, like the, the woman that got mauled by a grizzly? You know, sometimes, sometimes I get a little tired of it. Um, but I, they, I haven't heard people use maul. That's kind of not really the word they use. Tra- tragedy. They say, oh, I heard you were involved in a tragedy. Or They don't say, so hey, I heard tragic. you got mauled by a grizzly. No, no. They, they a start tragedy? Off, yeah, they call it tragedy. Or tra- there's another word they use for it. I'm like, I don't really call it that. I mean, it was just another day, you know, and they look at me and I'm like. They call it a tragedy? Yeah, tragedy. Um, yeah, you're sitting here, tragic? you're fine. Accident? Yeah, but they use a, there's like a, a tragedy word. means that someone in your family died or you got messed up in a way that you'll never recover. Oh, I know. It's not the right word for it. No, you just Tragic? had a major... Attack? No, they used... Mix-up? No, it's not a... <laughs> <laughs> you had a horrible mix-up. Actually, the I had there was a workman's comp lady with me yesterday at one of my appointments, and she called it interesting. She goes, oh, yeah, I heard you had an interesting encounter. And I said, you know, that's a great way to put it. So that's the first <laughs> time I've ever heard put it. Oh, horrific. That's the word. Her, they call it horrific. So it's any anything that's you know might scare people. I mean, I'm just like I don't know. That's, I, that's I, I fair. Don't, yeah, I, I would, think that's fair. Horrific. No, if I was in that. <laughs> if, if that happened to me, I, I would describe it as a horrific encounter. Oh, you'd have to say 
I heard you had what I would regard a horrific encounter. But if you just want to be straight up, you'd be like, I heard you got mauled by a grizzly. <laughs> and you'd be like, why, yes, I did. <laughs> but there's more to me than just that. But to be, you know, I, I know there, there's a natural tension here yeah. because I'm very interested in that while recognizing that you're a complex, accomplished individual who has many aspects to their lives that go beyond a, a, a terrible, horrific mix-up that you had. Yeah. So we'll get, we'll get there. Okay. But first, I want to talk about Yanni's chicken business because Yanni <laughs> is, 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 has a new chicken business. Yeah, you should have heard Jennifer last night after she realized the uh, the demand. She's like, <laughs> you know, we got more room in that chicken coop for at least another half dozen, which, you know, whatever. I, it, I don't think it's going to increase the workload if, if we added a half dozen chickens right now. So you're you know? getting nine, they're throwing nine eggs a day. Yeah, but I think sometimes they're throwing more than some of them will lay two, two in a day now. And you and the Putellis crew, uh, you're only good for how many a day? You know, if I'm home, I can't say we keep up to, with that, but we can get close between breakfast and some baking, you know, that goes on. But if I leave for a week, then I come home and there's like two full buckets of eggs. So, Yeah, I just bought 12. How'd you decide to sell them by the dozen? <laughs> I'll give you one guess. <laughs> I, I bought a you dozen. know what though? I bought a dozen Maybe eggs. I should I, split them in half at six. I would sell I could, ten eggs. I would probably get <laughs> the same amount of money for six as I am getting That's why for I would a dozen. Do 10. Because like you sell donuts, fur traps, and eggs by the dozen, and snares. Those are the only things you can think of that come in dozens. Yeah. Traps. I'm sure there's other and things. donuts and eggs, all great things. Bagels, as you call them. Yeah, those sell by <laughs> the dozen. I would say because Yanni's trying to get four bucks a four bucks a box because he's trying to pay for his organic. And it's funny, everybody that we've said four bucks to, they're like, we should be paying you five. <laughs> yeah, I was so pleased with the transaction and so pleased with the quality of the eggs I had this morning that I just gave him five and paid him down on another dozen. So he's now sitting on 10 of my dollars. I'm ahead. You know, I had a guy I that sell I... Him a I dollar, a, listen, I would sell him a dollar an egg. <laughs> <laughs> I cracked, like, this morning Jimmy had two. I had two. Matthew had one. I'd pay five bucks for that. Sure. I mean, when you have eggs in a restaurant, you're probably pl- paying that per egg. Yeah. yeah, I like it in the, being in the business where you, when you're giving me money before you receive the item I'm supposed to give you. I, a guy I guided once you could was, get in trouble like that. Though. Was in fast food, and when he was looking at business to to get into, he was like, "That's one of the few places where people give you the money first, and then they wait to get what they paid for." It's a good point. Yeah, he liked that about but it. But you might wind up getting underwater because you're going to take a lot of five dollar bills, mm-hmm. and then you're going to go home. And they're all going to be dead. Because you know where this is going. Oh, you mean if I get hammered by a predator? Yeah. You know where this is headed. We've been good so far. No, I heard from uh, your wife that two mysteriously vanished. Yes, <laughs> but that's, they're not the only two. We also lost a lame duck with it being, it was at our house less than a week, and we lost it. We've also, we, we started with like, I don't know how many bantams. We had over a dozen bantams, which are just like a small version of a chicken because they were free, already laying. So we, we took them on. 
much more skittish. I like the big ones much better because they're like pets. You can pick them up and hang out with them. The bantams, like they're they're paying the butt. They're the wild men of chickens, yeah, for sure. And they lay a teeny tiny egg, so you're eating like three to four, you know, every time you eat. But any anywho, um, where's that going with that? Every time we've had a weak or getting old chicken or duck. They are gone within days of showing that weakness, and we have not yet figured out to who. We've never lost a healthy one. No, hmm. no tracks or anything? No tracks. That's why we think it's... He that can't one. read that's sign. Why, <laughs> <laughs> that's why we think it's... He needs a, to bring up a tracker. <laughs> Amber, Definitely. Amber, look. Amber, go up there and tell you what's going yeah. on. She does yeah. more, well, she does more time you're up, you should look around. Because you work on mortality projects, right? I do, Where you go yeah. out and look at something dead and try to figure out what killed it? Yeah. I, there's, I actually love doing that. I, there's nothing... Even a... Ch- actually, we had a rabbit. Some lady... Brought in one of her rabbits, and she didn't know what had happened to it. it. Ended up dying, and we definitely we necropsied it, and it had bruising, and you could definitely see it looked like a dog had just by the sign and where it had bit. It just grabbed it, and shook it to death, and then just let it go. But he, it, doesn't, he doesn't have the carcasses though. Oh, you don't have anything? No feathers? No nothing? Nothing. Oh, Every man. now and then, Jennifer will describe it as a, as a puff of feathers. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we think it's a bird. Because there's times oh, we have great. big fir trees that are near everything around our property. And uh, there's times when there's a golden eagle that's, you know, three feet tall sitting on the fir tree that's right over the chicken coop. It's not your dogs, right? They don't have dogs. Oh, you guys don't have any dogs? Oh, okay. All right. Uh, oh, quick thing. I have... You okay? Well, I got one more thing that we're going to oh, yeah, yeah. get to. Well, I want right. to make sure we come back to it. I want to know what goes into a necropsy of something as simple as a... Um, is it necropsy or knee? I necropsy. Got, I've been told that all right. a lot. But just as something as simple That's as... That's like you cotton, say, right? Cottontail yeah. cotton rabbit. I'd like to know what goes into that. So I don't know if we want to cover that now or come back to it. A cottontail necropsy? Yeah. Um, or a bear, you know. We'll touch on that first. No, we'll get to it. Can you remember? I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'll, I'll make a note. I got, yeah, I got, I got a few notes. The here. thing I want to touch on is this: is uh, I have a my fish shooting bow. I have an Anida Osprey, which is a souped-up fish shooting bow that I don't want and I don't use it because I use my recurve for shooting fish. Um, it's only been shot a few times. They're expensive bows. It's left-handed is the catch. If you want this bow, all you got to do is write in and uh, make the subject line. Go onto our website and find the contact thing. Make the subject line uh, um, fish shooting bow so we know what we're looking at. So we'll say fish shooting bow. And then you say, if you give me this bow, I will donate X dollars to to the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. We're going to just do a quick scan, not paying a whole lot of attention. It seems like the highest person, I'll send you the damn bow, and then on the honor system, you got to make sure you send them the money. I was going to ask about that. We're going to do it on an honor system. Honor system. Yeah, I have them send me like a, we'll figure it out. So left-handed Oneida yeah, Osprey. Send a, send a screenshot of your payment. Yeah. A left-handed Oneida Osprey fish shooting bow. Barely been shot, and it's got those sweet rubber thumb grips so you don't have to walk around the thing. Um, okay. Your first br- Amber, your first brush of fame was that you made it into Big Buck magazine. Yeah. <laughs> now, that magazine, that magazine just comes right out and says, right, outdoor life, you're like, that could mean a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Field and stream, that could mean a lot of things. Big Buck magazine? 
Says a lot. That's straight you, to the point. They, it's a they, good sized bear. That's not a big buck, but <laughs> yeah, you made it into Big Buck Magazine when you were 16 years old. Yep. It identifies you as being from my home state of Michigan. Yes. Not where you know, though. Apparently. <laughs> no, I don't. No, we don't. All travel in Michigan, at least in my neck of the woods, is north south. Okay. You don't veer. To you the stay sun. in the same line of longitude, and you just you stick to your longitude. <laughs> Where'd so you like, grow up? Allington, oh, Lortham area, yeah. yeah. He's over in Kalamazoo, Yanni is. Oh yeah, you're from Michigan too. Yeah, right. Central Michigan or whatever you call it. Michiganders. Uh, so you killed a big old bear when you were young. Yeah, it was a decent you, sized bear. You grew up hunting. I did. What kind of hunting? Uh, were you guys, were you generalists or were you guys like specialists? Uh, no, we kind of did everything. Mostly whitetail in Michigan, and we just happened to come upon the outfitters for doing black bear stuff but yeah we mostly did whitetail and I didn't do it you know I did as much as I could with going to school and I worked and everything but bow and gun and we had tree stands and had quite a few acres and everything so we just it was just enjoyable just to kind of sit out there and uh, I shot a uh, my first one was a fawn a button buck my dad had shot the doe and i was like oh i can't leave the button buck. wiped out like, the whole family well yeah <laughs> i felt really bad afterwards i was like oh man he probably would have made it but i was so i was so young you know so it was good just to get something under my belt and everything so did you grow up fishing yeah we did some fishing uh we actually had a pond we had a huge pond and so we always bass fished in our pond and largemouth bass mm-hmm. yeah that was a lot you guys of fun cook those up or let them go no we just let them go then we come back and catch them again. So yeah, you made guys. it a lot of fun. Um, at what point in your life did you realize that you were going to be a, did you grow up being like, I'm going to be a wildlife biologist? I did not. So, you know, I listened to a lot of your guys' podcasts and talked to other people and stuff. And they're all like, oh yeah, I knew when I was a kid and super young. And you'd think I would have known because I started my first job. I worked at a greenhouse and I absolutely loved it and had it until I graduated Which high school. greenhouse? Just, just minutes. It was local. Yeah, so. I worked at a local greenhouse. Oh, you did? Moving those damn flats everywhere. <laughs> just moving them outside, moving them inside, moving flats. It got you working, you know, playing uh, stuff. Quick story about that. I think I might, eh, I hesitate because I might have told this story. I've you, never heard a greenhouse story yeah. that I can remember. You know what a kill deer is? Uh-uh. A bird. Oh, yeah, yeah, There's Birds that act like when you get close to them, they try to lure you away from their nest back like they got a broken wing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just some sly shit, right, for yeah. a bird? Yeah, We're out moving flats. On the beach, right? Is yeah, they hang out on the beach. Yeah. But this, like, we used to put all the flats when it was time to move the flats outside, and you'd be moving them out, in, out, in. We moved them all. They were all outside. We had to move them all inside. And in one of them, a kill deer made a nest. And there's thousands of flats out in this field. You could go find this. You could find this place on Google Earth. <laughs> and we're picking up the flats and realize that there's a bird nest in one of the flats. A flat of like what do you call them? It's like a flat full of the little pockets where the plants yeah, grow up. Yeah. And we leave it out there. So we pick up whatever 999 <laughs> flats and leave the one flat with a bird nest sitting there. And I report to the owner, Mike. I say we left that one because a killdeer laid a nest in it so we didn't want to disturb it i remember he got mad and walked out <laughs> dumped that thing out and carried it inside <laughs> <laughs> did it have eggs in it i'm telling you man yeah he's just like a hard man with oh. a flat oh, he just hard didn't man want with the birds <laughs> uh, anyhow 
So you knew, you were interested. You had you had what E.O. Wilson calls biophilia. <laughs> Probably, yeah. You know that term? I don't actually. Like an innate desire to uh, like biophilia, oh, right? Yeah. Love of you know, but an, an innate desire to connect with other life forms. Yeah. No, I definitely thought I would have known back then, but I just, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I mean, growing up, and I don't know if you experienced the same thing where I was at, it was, it was ag. So there was a lot of ag and I knew there was game wardens or conservation officers, but I had no idea about wildlife biologists and things, you know, you learn biology, kind of the general sense, but we didn't have extra classes or anything similar to that to kind of give me an idea of what I would want to do. Um, so I just kind of went with it and I was like, well, I'm going to go and be a teacher and we'll just kind of go with that and see. And then ended up not being a teacher and got my associates in accounting. And then finally I realized I wanted to be a accounting. Yeah. (laughs) So I ended up in Montana from Michigan because that's where I wanted to go to school. I initially wanted to go to Alaska, but my dad told me no because my mom told him no. They didn't want you that far away. Well, if I was moving to Alaska, dad was going to move there too. (laughs) So there's a lot to hunt up there. And so, yeah, he could have just done that deal. Like my brother lives there. So your dad could have hunted with you for everything. I feel like we got to backtrack just a little bit because I want to know if you had siblings because I'm interested about how. Oh, I know where he's going with this. (laughs) Did you have a brother? I did not. <laughs> That's why your dad hunted with you. What is that supposed to mean? Because <laughs> I was the only one. It's true, man. Tell her, Yanni. Well, yeah, I don't. I can't remember the the numbers, but yeah, basically, like had that. If if females are to get into hunting via their dad, it's usually because they don't have a brother, firstborn or no brother. Oh man. That's what we were. You have told. a sister. No, I'm. I'm an only child. That's what we were told by someone who spent a lot of time with uh, hunter demographics. Oh, really? Yeah. Dads are like, well, I got to take her because I don't have any other choice. Old-timey dads. Old-timey like, dads. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> put it that way when I take out my girls hunting. It's, but it's a, as it, like I got to. It's no, a, it's a reality. I, I a hunting buddy. Yes, it's a yeah. reality of how people historically, yes. it's a, how a segment of the American population has historically treated who goes hunting. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. I just think that you're misrepresenting the thoughts that are in the dad's head when he chooses to take his daughter hunting. I'm putting a fine point on something. I don't think that that's her father's... I'm not saying anything bad about your dad, (laughs) but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I'll back it up. Like in my family, all men, all of the men, to some extent participated in hunting and fishing. Virtually none of the women. Really? Okay. It's just a thing. Yeah. It sucks. There are myriad reasons many of them unjustified you can't untangle it all right but it's just a reality right 90 percent of the people that buy a hunting license in this country are male but less than 50 percent of the people that live in this country are male so there that's crazy it's crazy to think about especially and that's still now like those are all accurate now, right? Yeah. Those are current numbers. So, I don't know. I don't think it's. I, I don't think it's good. Yeah. But it's just we're, the but way it as is. far as like what your father's motivations. I'm just teasing you. Oh yeah. A guy yeah. that looks at demographics was telling us he's like, and, and he's like, and when a woman does hunt, um, it's often that she has no male siblings. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you moved out to study accounting. 
Well, I moved out to Montana initially to do teaching just because I didn't know, not knowing what I wanted to do. I thought maybe being a teacher and if I wanted to go back to school, I could take summer classes. But then I really didn't want to do that. And I actually, I started off at Carroll College in Helena. Yeah. And I ended up dropping out my last semester. I just, I don't think I was ready to go to college. I just had no idea what I was doing. And moved back home. Well, my parents were in Wolf Creek at the time, so they had moved and got a place in Wolf Creek. And so I moved back home with them. Wolf Creek, just, Montana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I just ended up going to the community college in Helena. And I went for accounting because, well, there's tons of jobs and it makes good money. So if I didn't know what I wanted to do, I'd eventually figure it out. <laughs> and I spent four years doing that and worked So you're like totally and, cynical. I'm like... <laughs> You were totally cynical. You weren't yeah. like a romantic yet. No, no, no. I mean, I loved hunting in the outdoors, but like I said, I didn't really know it existed actually until we moved to Montana and started talking to people about Forest Service and we learned about the BLM and because there, you know, there's not a ton of public land in Michigan and so we were always hunting. Yeah, you're, there's a lot, but not where you're at. Right. No, it's a lot of private. We've always like over my area private. north, it's shitloads of it. Oh yeah, there's tons. Yeah, of I there. never stepped foot on public land until I moved out west. Yeah, it's a ama- and it's amazing and it's so much to learn too because like I said, BLM and the ranches and everything that you go on. So just learning about all that and learning about you know the game wardens and that there is wildlife biology and. Like I said, it took me about four years, but I also got rid of uh, some negative influences and people who had been in the field, but were like, no, you don't want to do that because you don't make a ton of money and this and this and that. And I was like, well, what if this is something I really, really wanted to do? And then, I don't know, I just flipped a switch and started looking at schools and found Oregon State. And that's where I ended up getting my wildlife degree. So, Excellent. Yeah. Full on, uh, you got a bachelor's degree. I did. Yep. Have you worked on a master's yet? Uh, no, I'm working on it. My grades and my GRE scores are a little lower than what they're like. Cause I, I focused hardcore on getting work and getting a job and getting a ton of field experience. And I studied as hard as I could, but I just didn't, I don't quite make the cut for a GPA. So working on it. But. What do you mean? Like you can't go to grad school cause your GPA? Yeah. Cause it's low. It's a little lower than what they want. Ah, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No, it's a big bummer. Um, yeah, because I was How so bad focused. Were they? Like D's? No, 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 no. They were better than that. Just I. It's competitive field. It is super competitive. So you know, they mostly want people with 3.0 or higher, and some people are even 3.5 or higher. And it's to weed out, and it because it's so competitive. And the GREs are hard. I mean, it's like taking the East SATs GREs again. Are, GREs are miserable, man. Yeah. I took yeah. the GREs. Yeah, they, <laughs> they suck. Well, how long ago did you take? Because they changed, and they changed all the scores and everything, how they score them. I took the GREs and, I don't know, uh, 95. Okay. Yeah, so now they do a short, a smaller, or a smaller, not a smaller scoring, but just kind of like they changed the SATs over from the 1400s to the whatever it is, a three or whatever, and now they've kind of changed them over too. So I've taken it twice. It's a pain in the butt every time. <laughs> well, that's a bit. We'll, we'll circle back around to that. Uh, that's horrible though. That's, I mean, it is what it is. Um, so then what, what, uh, what was your first paid gig when you come out of school for biology? Well, I actually had a paid gig in school. So when I started, when I was at Oregon State, I was just networking like crazy. And there was a lady there who was doing some marbled merlot stuff, and she just needed somebody to do data entry. And so it was completely volunteer. And so I just did it. And from that, I there was a job with Hancock Forest Management, an internship during the summer, and she 
um, forwarded my name. She knew the biologist there and everything, turned to my resume, and they hired me right away. So that was a paid position. So that was my first paid position. We were doing um, Pine Martin stuff, which was pretty cool. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it was super cool. And I was on the coast of Oregon, which is awesome because there are a ton of black bears out there. <laughs> and so even though I was looking for Martins, I kept running into black bears and kept getting picked black bear pictures and just these huge bears. And I kept saying, is there any chance we're going to do any black bear work over here? <laughs> just because it was so awesome yeah, how yeah. many black bears were coming in on the coast and they would just tear up everything. You know? Were you, um, had you, had you given up your bear hunting ways by then or were you still a black bear hunter? No, I, you know, I do like hunting black bears. It's not, I don't, it's not like deer elk though. Yeah. I don't want to do it all the time. I'd love to take one with my bow. I haven't taken one. Um, but yeah, it would be really nice to take, I mean, an Oregon bear, especially a coastal bear cause they're, they're big, you know, and they're just, it's the, it's so hard to hunt them. So it just makes it such a good challenge. You, well, you were just running into them though. Yeah. And they would be, they would tear down. So we were putting up cat food in a, just like a, on a tree and, kind of a makeshift little fencing to get the pine martin hair yeah and then we had those um i can't even think of it, but stuff to catch hair um gun brushes and stuff nailed onto the tree to catch hair and so they would go you better, i've seen that but you better explain it real quick what do you mean a hair trap oh so well this everyone's a little different so i know they do they do sticky ones they can do those too for like tracks we didn't have I was those with my so buddy just... and he was setting up a gun brush one. Oh yeah he was trying to catch was he after Fisher Lynx? I think it was Lynx. He was after oh, Lynx cool. hair, and he was setting up a rig. Northern. Beaver meat. Oh, okay. He had a beaver, wired it to the tree, just a car- skinned out carcass, wired it to a tree up on a ridge top, and then he then he screwed in all the screwed in all the gun brushes, like uh-huh. the brass gun yeah. brushes, yeah, uh, around it, so that any critter that went up and started wrestling with that frozen carcass was going to certainly, like a dog hair brush, leave a bunch of hair right. on the gun brushes. Oh, cool. And he had to get it up out of the snow, you know? Oh, cool. Mine wasn't as cool as that, but that's kind of, that's the same thing. We had one on each what side. What made it less cool? That you were using cat food? Well, yeah. I feel <laughs> like we could have used something else, but the bears loved it, so it was great. But they would also tear down my camera, so we'd set up a camera you know, just a tree away or so in a good spot. And then we'd have those gun brushes, one on each side and then one on the top. And then the, like I said, it was just some fencing that we put together and then we, we poke holes in the cat food so they could smell it. And the Pine Martins like that. They do. That's what they had. Um, I think they use that. So it was on a study somebody was doing with Oregon State, and she did some work, I believe, in California, and that's what they were able to do. But I just was, I mean, I was getting bear after bear after bear. Coming into that cat food. Yeah. Were you, were you guys, are there fishers in there? Were you getting fisher hair? No, I didn't get, I, like I said, all I ever got was bear hair. And my partner, I think the only the bycatch thing. was bear hair. Oh, porcupine. Not a porcupine. Why was I thinking porcupine? Um, why can't I think of it? Pine squirrel? No. Badger. What is it with the long, oh, they're cute when they're little, but they have the long nose. Why am I possums, just, grinners? Yes, possum. Why was I thinking, yeah. Oh, they have possums up there. It was really weird. And you guys I, were getting uh, possum hair? We got in, one. Yeah. Huh. It was so weird because I was like, what is that? Is that a Martin? It's got to be a Martin. And just by the size and then its nose and my buddy's like, no, that's it's a, a possum. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, you take a possum fur and you get just the fur, where his head's not involved, his feet aren't involved, his tail's not involved. Like skinned? Oh, beautiful fur. Really? You wouldn't believe it. The tail ruins it for people. But oh, just yeah. just a possum fur is gorgeous. 
What do you do? Do you sell it? It's yeah, they're, they're not valuable because their leather's too thin. Oh, okay. Yeah, so only like a really good. I was just talking with this with uh, Seth earlier. If you can flesh a possum, you can flesh anything. Really? Very hard to not tear the hide on a possum. Well, you definitely don't want to eat them, though, right? You didn't. People eat them. Really? I never have. Oh, we used to okay. do a lot of possums because trapping fox possums is by, a lot of possum bycatch. But you didn't do anything with them, or you, you just sell them? Tell- it's oh. hard to flesh. You can sell oh, them man. in the green, but then we sell them in the green. They're like a dollar. Oh, okay. Because the, all the work is fleshing them. Right. But uh, so you worked on that project. What else did you work on? Then I went and I worked at a hatchery for with Oregon Department of oh, Fish really? and Wildlife. Yeah, yeah, it was just a fun little intern. It was internship Did you like for doing three it? months. You know, it was fun. I don't know what they. It's not. But when you pull out the eggs, I can't even remember what milking it's them. Yeah, when you just like pull out the, you're like holding this huge fish and you're just squeezing these eggs out. I'm like, this is insane. You can like feel them all in their stomach. So that was pretty cool. And then I worked for Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife. Again, I did another internship, but ended up with a job working on blacktail deer. And that was a lot of fun. We darted them or we set up clover traps and- Clover traps? mm -hmm. It's like a big walk-in trap. And- it's crazy, but they do, they, they wander in them. You just put a little bait pile in there and it's, it's, there's a string hooked to the door. So it's got a door that goes up and they, when they cross, the string goes across on the bottom. And when they cross, like one of their legs cross, the door drops yeah. down. They call it clover because it's clover shaped or you're baiting them with clover? No, we're not baiting them with clover. I, mean, I actually don't know where the name came from. I never really asked that. The, the trap isn't shaped like a clover. No, it's just this big, and elk are bigger. They have bigger ones. But yeah, it's like the size, probably the size of this table. And then just kind of tall enough so deer can walk in. And then obviously elk are a little more bigger. And then you're getting them in there with what, corn? Yeah, we put down some corn. Yeah. yeah. Um, the hair trapping, catching hair. Did you, did you wind up doing more of the hair? Because you had hair work when you had your mix-up. You were doing grizzly bear hair studies. Yeah, yeah, but that, aside from the pine martin and the grizzly bear stuff, is about the only thing I've done with hair. I mean, we collect hair off of bears that I captured in um, Florida. But, yeah, other than that, I haven't really done a ton of hair snare stuff. So being a wildlife biologist is tough. Tough because it's like all these, like, temporary jobs, right? It is. And they don't pay a ton of money. No, they don't. Um, sometimes you get lucky, like Oregon actually pays super well. And if you can get in and network and they're really great and they've got, they're doing a ton of research. I actually just talked to my, one of my old bosses there and he's got seven research projects going on. A couple different elk projects, blacktail, whitetail. He's got a bear project, Fisher, and he might've said Martin or something. I mean, he's just got so much going on. So there's a lot, there are a lot of jobs, but they're super competitive. And like you said, they don't pay as well. And some places don't even offer housing. So when I work for Idaho Fish and Game, they don't really offer housing because they don't really have a lot of housing. But then they end up, you know, in the area and they pay a little more and I get to be a senior wildlife technician just because they don't, you know, offer housing. So, I mean, some, some places balance out. If you imagine all things, this is going to sound weird. I can't say all things being equal. Is it harder... Is it still harder to make it in that field as a woman than it is to make it in that field as a man? Or is it, or is it, has it evened out because it's so many uh, government agencies? I, I say it's, I say it's about evened out. I, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of my supervisors have been females, um, but I've also worked for a lot of males and you, in the department, especially in my office now, it's 50, 50, like there's a lot of males, there's a lot of females and, um, I feel because of my work and everything that I'm, I have a lot of experience. And so they tend to, 
I mean, they base it off of experience. So yeah. I've never had an issue where it was like, so you feel like well. You feel like it was like in that field, it was like a meritocracy there. Yeah. 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 And then um, it's not like a bro culture. Uh, I definitely think in some areas it, yeah. there there can be. You know, there's still that old time, I guess, bro culture, if you want to mm-hmm. say. But yeah, I still think it's it's around. And I think it's probably something we're always going to have to deal with and, and work work with. And I mean, some people are just set in their ways and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and honestly, it's just, that's fine. I'll take a challenge, you know. <laughs> that, that's a good attitude to have. <laughs> well. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, it's a struggle to find time to manage one's finances. It's a struggle to find time to manage my finances. You go through like a busy week and the last thing you want to do is spend time budgeting, you know, your expenses and tracking down customer service teams to cancel old s- subscriptions you're paying for that you don't use. But now you use Rocket Money and does all of that for me. I'll tell you this this happens all the time in our family because like something will come out that we want to watch. And they lure you in with a one-month trial. And you're like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll do the one-month trial. Then I'll come back and cancel. Then I can watch this whole thing. And then, like, you don't. You forget about it. And then, and then a year goes by and you've been paying these guys 12 bucks all year and never watched a single thing. This finds that stuff and gets rid of it for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app. It goes in and finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings instead. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Again, rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. The single most valuable tool I have for chasing turkeys next to my scatter gun is the Onyx Hunt app. If I'm hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. If I'm not hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. I'm always using Onyx. I live by that stuff. I can't tell you the number of birds this app has put me on by allowing me to easily find new areas to hunt. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. Even properties I know super well. And I'm at my buddy Bubbly Doug's house. I'm using Onyx, and I've hunted this place a million times. With their compass mode, I can pinpoint exactly on the map where a gobble rang out from and then figure out the perfect spot to set up. Meaning, if I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at Bubbly Dogs, I'm in the navel, and I hear, pow, I'll like instinctively pull up Bubbly Dogs' place on, on X, and I'll look at the topography, and I'll be like, oh, that sucker must be over in that little opening over there. Waypoints also, and the ability to share them, okay, comes in handy every spring. Whether that's revisiting old waypoints where I've been on birds before or sharing them, to buddies to help put them on birds. This app will help you find more turkeys. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you too. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this turkey season. Spring is a great time to do something with your family. Do some spring cleaning, which I kind of started today outside, planning outdoor activities, which I'm always doing, taking a little trip to Hawaii with your kids for spring break, which I just did, which was great. You know what else you can do? For your family this spring, you can shop for life insurance with Policy Genius. Make that part of your financial planning for the year. I've said it before a thousand times, I'll say it again. When my wife and I, when we started having kids, we got serious about life insurance. And man, I felt so much better after we did. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 292 bucks per year 
for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. How many years had you been doing field work? So four and a half now, which is crazy. Okay. Yeah. And all of it, like no full-time salaried stuff. It's nope. just piecemeal. Nope. Yeah, it's all been... So let's see, the hatchery was three months, and that's the lowest one I've had. Other than that, they've been five, six, and then Idaho Fishing Game has been eight months. So who? how did it come to be... Like, like lay out who you're working for, what you were doing when you got attacked. So I was working for uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and University of Montana. So it was a cooperation between the two. And I was working in Libby, Montana. What was the job? The job was a grizzly. So grizzly bear, hare, snare, DNA technician. So that's kind of a long title. but. So you see this job come up where? Like how would you even um. become aware of the job? Well, I have been trying really hard. Like bears are my my goal, and that's kind of my what I really want to do and what I want to work with. And somebody, actually, so I knew somebody. He came to volunteer with us with Idaho Fishing Game, and he happened to hear through the grapevine that there was going to be a job because um, he worked. So he had worked up in northern Idaho. And so he knew somebody who kind of knew somebody. He did a little bit of volunteering with uh, my boss from U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And so I met him doing some capture work. And he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, they're going to be posting a job and just kind of gave me a heads up. And I believe, yeah, he gave me Wayne Wayne's number. And I just contacted Wayne and was like, hey, heard you guys are going to have some openings. Would love to, you know, talk with you some more. And he sent me over the the list and what they were going to have. It was trapping technician and then a DNA hair snare assistant. And so he sent me those over and I trapping would be like barrel trapping bears. Uh, but hair or not hair snares, but footholds okay. is what they use. Yeah. So I applied for both of those and did an interview and they actually didn't. So, you know, Texas A&M, a lot of things wind up on Texas. I don't know if you guys know. Yeah. It's yeah. a huge job board. And if it goes on there, I mean, it just goes insane. And they actually don't post, they don't post anything on there. So everything they kind of send to the university. So U of M, uh, MSU, and I think U of I is where, where they'll send um, the job descriptions and everything. And so, yeah, so I was super fortunate and just really wanted to be in there. And then I got an interview and yeah, they told me I got the job. So how long did you, ha- how long were you working the job before you got attacked? Three days. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I know. Did you, <laughs> did you go, uh, did you go into it? <sighs> I'm trying, what am I trying to get? I'll get to that later. So you get the job and what, okay. What's day one look like? So day one, we get to kind of everybody's there. So it's the trapping technicians. It's there's three, three biologists and then there's three trapping technicians and then there's three hair snare. And so we're all there and we're just doing safety, um, going over all the just kind of rules, protocols, things that need to get done. We did chainsaw safety. And so that was, that was, three days of doing that. So the first day, kind of everybody was just getting in. We were getting to know each other. And then the next two days were just trainings 
And like our last day, the three of us DNA hair snare techs, we went out and we just set up one just to kind of see if we had any questions or if there was anything that we needed to do. So we set up a corral and then set up a, a couple of hair when check some hair snares that were already out. And so. what do you guys bait and grizzlies with? Um, they, so the trappers bait them with road deer. So anything, and then they, they kind of like mix them up. And that's what our, you know, when we do a corral in the center is we put a like lure. And so it's basically blood and from like roadkill animals that they've had mixed up and everything. And then a little roadkill meat too. Yeah. Yeah. Just like little chunks of it. And, and are you pretty precise about where you, like, are you, when you place the hair snare, are you trying to place it in really good, like a really good spot? Or you, do you place them like semi-randomly? Um, the, so the corrals are fairly random. The, actually, the hair snares, most of them were already set out. So they've been, I mean, they've been doing this project for I got 10 you. So you're coming years. in on a pre-existing project. Yeah, so there's already stuff out there. But definitely I was looking for it. So if there was a new fresh tree that had a ton of hair on it, I would definitely keep an eye out for new um, areas to maybe move the hair snare if nothing's active, you know, active you on that tree. You found a new scratching tree or something. Yeah, because it's yeah. just barbed wire that you cut. And so if I found something new that was looking better than the older one, I could move it. And um, yeah, some of the tree, I mean, they were just this tight. They were super tiny. Just the diameter was so small. And there would just be... Like an inch be, diameter. Yeah, they would be so tiny, but you could just see where the hair was and it would just be, you would just wrap barbed wire around it. And yeah, there would be some hair there. And I'm like, how does it, how do they not break it? You know, but they're just kind of rubbing on it a little bit. So you find rub trees that a grizzly like to rub on that were an inch. Grizzlies and black bears too. There's black bears out there. So we collected a lot of black bear hair too. Cause I mean, you can't. Yeah. You can't sort it out. Yeah. Yeah. When you were training up, did they train you in, uh, did you shoot some, uh, training cans of pair of bear spray? Uh, we did once, yeah, and I have had I've done it before. So I've gone to a lot of the the you know the bee bear wear stuff and kind of shot the cans out there. And they definitely gave. I was like, you guys are giving us bear spray, right? And they said, yeah, oh yeah. What do you do? They give you the because my my one of my brothers used to work for the state of Alaska through the university system, mm-hmm. and their protocol was pump shotguns with slugs. Oh, okay. Was their protocol yeah. that was like what you were supposed to have with you? And he traveled everywhere. This is a while ago. Everywhere he went, they just carried a pump. He carried a pump shotgun. No bear spray at all. That had like a 24-inch barrel with slugs, and you carried a pump. That's like in Alaska with that community, that was what you did. Then when he switched to U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, it's optional. Oh, any of it. Spray, shotgun, pistol. Really? Yeah, taster's choice. Oh, man. But you have to have one. It's not optional to have any. You got to have one. Oh, okay, okay. That's my understanding. Okay. You know, I take that back. I think that that's true, but I don't want, I don't want to say that that's true. Right. But um, I know he started using more, carrying spray more. Yeah. Even though it's a hassle with flying and stuff, spray is a hassle. Oh, they carried it. Well, I guess they're flying into remote Yeah, you always got to put an ammo can and strap it to the struts on helicopters. Right. Or stra- you know, because no one wants to have one of those things rip loose in a cockpit. Yeah. No, that's that a, wouldn't be that's ideal. That's a death sentence, yeah. you know? Um, so... You guys never talked about carrying shotguns or anything? No, we didn't. And I don't even know if carrying a gun, I may have asked the question. Just, I mean, I don't really carry a handgun. So yeah, we've yeah. always kind of carried bear spray. and That's just standard protocol. Yeah. Is it mandatory to carry spray? For them, yes. Like in the role you were doing, it's mandatory yes, to carry spray. Yeah. Personally, and where I did mean, you carry can, it? Where did you keep it? I actually had it on my chest, so my, like, on my left. And right in, right where that buckle meets, you know, on your left side. And so. You just hang it off your backpack buckle. Yeah. Yeah. I just have it right there. So it's kind of right, right near me. I and don't know if that's the right place. I mean, every place is different. 
I think it's a smart place. My, I mean, uh, you know, talking to you, you'd know better. <laughs> but uh, in my mind, what could be better yeah. than having it on your chest? Well, you guys heard about the the most recent attack in Ennis, right? Mm-hmm. And he, it sounded like maybe he had his on his hip. I don't know for sure. I, but, I didn't read the report. Oh, okay. But he did have bear spray, which is super awesome. But I was wondering how he was carrying his, if it was on his hip or if it was on, you know. And I, Some people do. They carry them like right on their hip and it's just more convenient. You know what we used to do with them? Put them in the bottom of your backpack. <laughs> <laughs> you, I don't know. I'm you just know. like so stupid. You know, where I was like, put, oh, it's in the lid of my pack. You know, it's like, oh, oh man. I, I, gotta... I feel like you still see it all the time. Like on just the hiking trails around here, you'll see bear spray on like on the outside of a backpack. Sure, it's kind of reachable. If you're, especially yeah. if you're a yogi and you're flexible, you can get to it a little bit easier, but still. But now what I do is the FHF harness has, um, what do they call that? Like the molly or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Those, Some strips on the yeah. bottom. And you can attach his bear spray canister right underneath your binocular harness. So it's... Is it Velcro or is it... No, it's like the molly system, right? Where you have like... Um, what would you call that? It's like woven nylon webbing. Webbing. Oh, okay. And you have like tacks or, you know, tacked strips in a row. And you can, the harness or the holster has like a little belt that runs through there and then back into itself. Okay. He totes his hand cannon down there in the same place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so man. Right there. The, one or the other. Right there. You like, you got to get it where you can cross draw. Well, I so, figure if you're in like a ball, right, or if you're in sort of a defensive fetal position, that's where your hands are going to be is are going to be near your chest. Yeah. Yeah, it's. T- I mean, like I said, everybody puts it somewhere different. So it's just. I think it's the motion of being able to get it out. Because what if you can't? Because some of the times when you get those holders, even the ones that tight. they have, yeah, they're super tight. So what if you can't get it out? You know. That's a good point. So on yeah. the morning, on Hold the on, fa- uh, I gotta before we get there, I got a question because when I was reading through what you were doing, you're. You talked about catching bears and then tattooing bears. Oh, yeah. And I want to know how and why you tattoo a bear. So so I wasn't a part of trapping, so I only did the DNA stuff. But I did assist after my accident. They had a, I was going up to Libby to visit people, and they happened to have an augmented bear that was coming up. So lead foot to the ground. I was on my way up. But we, so we tattoo them on either side in case they lose their – so sometimes the collars break off, fall off, or we take them off. Mm-hmm. And also we do put ear tags in them. So if they, the ear tags come out and the bear – or if the bear gets eaten and a lot of that stuff is gone but the mouth is gone, then we can just flip that up and you can see the number on there. So we're basically – So the tattoo's on the inside of their cheek. Yeah. So you, you're pulling up – and we did this on black bears in Florida too – and so you're just pulling up their cheek and you feel kind of bad, but you're essentially, it's this tool and it has kind of, not nails, I don't want to call them that, but you, you're able to put ink on it and then you just stick it up under their lip and, and push it and it creates holes and it's a tattoo and it's got like their number on it. Yeah, so like an indelible mark that mm-hmm. someone can... They'll have it forever. Yeah. Well, of course, unless they so lose gets, their lips. So yeah. grizzly gets hit by a car out mm-hmm. and- 100 miles away you can tell that it was yours and he went that far yeah because sometimes they don't collar them or even ear tag them maybe they just captured it and they're gonna move it or something so they just you know a tattoo is easier if they're just gonna relocate it and i know they tattoo a lot of mountain lions when they relocate them too do they yeah because i've heard like when people talk about when a mountain lion will turn up somewhere weird you'll often read that they'll remark that it had no tattoo 
Interesting. On the outside? Or I, don't on the where, I don't know where they tattoo them. Interesting. Because oftentimes when you have a problem animal yeah. and you relocate a problem animal, so you can sort of like look at recidivism, mm-hmm. meaning is this problem animal a problem animal or is he just happen to be in a bad situation? One-time offender. Yeah. You mark. <laughs> you can mark them and then like the next time it destroys someone's chicken coop, yeah. next time it destroys Yanni's chicken coop, peel its lip back and be like, he's been in trouble before and he was right. in trouble here and he right. was in trouble here. And then, you know, you got a bear that's just not going to, or a lion or whatever, that's not going to stay clear. Right, which makes it easy, too. for then Because sometimes when you ear tag things, I think people get a little nervous and it kind of, they're like, well, this thing's ear tagged. Is it a problem? And so then when you just do a tattoo, then you kind of know and if there's any issues. Because you don't want to, you just scare the public or make them nervous, you know. But Was the bear that got you tattooed? He was. He was tattooed. Number 770. Seven, oh, 770. Which, how cool is that? <laughs> yeah. 770. He's an original cabinet bear. He's 24 years old. Well, he'll be 25 this year. So you got attacked by a 24 year old grizzly. Yeah. So what happened? Like, lay out that day for me. Did they? Did they? So you got to go out and check the hair snares yes. by yourself. Yes. Did they give you GPS coordinates? Like, how do you know where to go? Yeah. So they give us a map. So we have a couple different maps, and then we have a GPS that, and we also have a. Uh, a tab, a tablet, I guess. I don't use those very often. But they gave us that. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Where is it? And they're like, just just use it. I'm kind of a little old-fashioned. So, but <laughs> Oh, like <laughs> so using like a digital map. Yeah, instead. like a tablet and everything. And I was like, man, this is fancy. Because <laughs> I don't really get, it's very rare you get those in my job, you know, because those are pretty expensive. But so they gave me a tablet and everything and had an in-reach. So all the gear that I needed. And yeah, I was just. So you go out with the inReach, mm-hmm. which you know how to use. Mm-hmm. You got your tablet. With the maps and all the points on them and the GPS. And the GPS. Yeah. And you know how to use that. Yeah. And your pepper spray and you know how to use that. Yeah. And you strike off up the trail. Oh, yeah. So. How far did you walk? Two miles, about two miles. To your first hair snare? No. That was, I had already collected maybe at least six. Oh. Yeah. So start. So you've been out knocking around already. Yeah. So it'd been a couple hours. I usually started my day at seven, seven thirty, just because it took a while to drive. It was you know a little far out outside of Libby, like ten or fifteen miles. Then you got to drive up all the back roads, and then um, my second day, I spent most of the day chainsaw, just using a chainsaw because there was just trees everywhere, and I was so irritated. But so yeah, the third day, I'm just walking along, and like I said, I'm what checking kind of all area the trees. Are you in? Like, what's it look like? A uh, lot of trees. So complete national forest area just trees heavily timbered yeah yeah just a ton of trees and there's a huge river uh it's poor man's creek and it was roaring just the the entire time from all the the snow melt may 17th okay yeah are you cutting uh trails with your chainsaw or cut open the road actually road road. yeah because i mean we're there so early and no one's cleared everything yet yeah which i was i was actually shocked because somebody had drove drove down at one point but then they decided to turn around i was like gosh darn it i spent three hours on the second day sawing your way up the road (laughs) i was so mad and then i had i don't know it was a 16 mile hike in so and that's 16 miles both ways so, but I, so I finished doing that and then I had to go in 16 miles and I'm setting up this corral. So this is day two, but setting up this corral and I'm just cursing up a storm because it was not functioning with me the way I wanted it to. So of course I'm yelling too, just in case of bear, cause I'm literally back in this super tight area, just a lot of trees and I'm looking around and 
finally get done and I'm heading out and I'm making a ton of noise. I'm just like, oh, this is so dumb. And just like thinking about all the things I could have done differently to just do better. And all of a sudden I just hear this, all these trees and just this motion. And I was like, and I like got down, pulled on my bear spray and it just happened to be a black bear like running across the oh, ridge. Really? And I just scared him. That's day was, two. Yeah, that was day two. So I'd already been running into bears, you know. But yeah, I scared him because he was eating on some berries and everything. And yeah, he took off. Like, was it a nice bear? He was a nice bear. He was small, but he was still, I mean, color, just jet black. And then I saw a couple more that day too. Really? Yeah. You know, in that area. Unrelated to the bait. Yeah. Yeah. Not even one of them ran right in front of my truck. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bear rich zone, man. Oh man. Libby is such an amazing area. Yeah. yeah love that area. So but, day three. Yeah. So I'm walking along the trail and like I said, making a ton of noise and just checking, like I said, I think there were six, maybe eight. Positioned along a, a, a footpath or? So it's an old forest road, but a ton of like new growth had come up. So there is, like I said, those one inch, two inch, small, smaller trees, but they're super tall, but there's a path in there from people kind of hiking in and out. And, and you can tell it's an old forestry road. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. O- overgrown. Yeah. yeah. And just walking along and just grabbing hair. And then I get to uh, the one creek, the the loud creek. And I was like, oh, man. And I had to cross the bridge and everything. And I just kept thinking. I was thinking, I'm like, man, this is really loud. I got to start yelling a lot louder because it was just rushing. And you could run into it. And there's so many moose out there, which I was dying to find a moose shed. But that didn't really work out. So, yeah, I just kept going and um, got to... There, I hit some snow, and at one point, you know, my boss told me, he's like, if you hit a bunch of snow, you don't have to keep going. Just We can go back to it, and the next week it'll eventually be melted. But I was already walking, and it was just on the trail. So it was, Did you have snowshoes? No, but, I mean, it was a foot high, maybe oh, okay. a foot and a half. So, But I was walking along. and It's I, kind of miserable in the spring though, when it gets all soft and you sink down in it and it's oh, all it wet. Oh, it makes me so mad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about snowshoes. But like I said, it was just on the trail, so I could kind of get off of it. And I actually found grizzly bear tracks on the snow and look down and I'm looking at them. I was like, Oh, they're a couple of days old. Wasn't super worried. Had they been fresh? I probably would have, I would have turned around, you know, just cause he was walking the same way I was walking and he or she, I should say, and got to my last hair snare and was taking some photos. And then was there any hair in it? Yeah, there was a little bit. Yeah. There was some grizz hair or black bear hair. Both. Both. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to kind of collect everything. And so there was a little bit of both. There wasn't enough to where I was like. So you don't make an in-field analysis about what it is. You just grab it. Yeah, we just kind of, I try to, so we separate it by barb. That's on the, literally the barbs that are on the wire. So kind of, you know, there's like 101, 102, 103. So we separate Hmm. them by those and we have different envelopes. And then when we come back, you go through the hair to determine black bear, grizzly bear. And and you can kind of determine out there, but sometimes, I mean, you're out there for so long, it's just easier to to do it back in the office. I'm surprised you're getting both hairs on the same tree. Why is that? Well, just because in the field and we've seen the both and both blacks and um brown bears on the landscape mm-hmm. it's like when that black bear realizes there's a grizzly in the area they just hightail it well they've got to pass at some point though right you see yeah, but, sure, yeah. but they must smell that yeah. a grizzly's been rubbing on that tree and i would think that yeah Maybe being, they subor- wouldn't rub on the being same tree? Sub- subordinate they'd always be like no don't, don't need to cause any up. friction. You can look up and see them together, but yeah, a little yeah. bit like that if he was in the zone and hanging around and scratching it up, that the black bear would be a little 
apprehensive. Yeah, I guess I didn't even think about that. I just figured, out oh, they're walking the same path, and maybe he smelled it, and he's like, well, I'm going to rub on this tree, too, and just kept walking, you know? You know, they do, like, uh, on, on the islands in coastal Alaska, they don't overlap. Really? On the islands. I didn't know that. If it's suitable for brown bears, black bears aren't there. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Black bears are on an island, it's because it's not suitable habitat for grizzlies or brown bears. Wow, that's super interesting. Yeah. I actually love Alaska. I'd love and, to do some bear work. They over, there. you know, in, in the interior, they overlap, but they still, you know, I mean, the grizzlies will kill them. Right, right. Oh, yeah, I saw this video on Facebook that somebody yeah. posted. The yeah, did you see that? The horrifying one of the grizzly killing the black bear cubs. Oh, oh my God. Man, I could, that sound. Oh, it was brutal. Isn't it brutal? It was Dude, brutal. Dude, that, that video gave me nightmares. <laughs> really? It's just, it's, I watched it like too many times. Oh, oh <laughs> how many I, times do you watch? I haven't seen. It. Oh, oh, you haven't digging seen out it? The, is digging out the den, fighting with the ma. Oh, and she's just you see her, and she's like whack. And she just whacks that. He still. He just like doesn't. He's like I. He's like lady. I do not care. Yeah, I do not does care. He, does he kill he or the gets, grizzly gets kill the? Cub. No, but does it kill the s- sow no, black he's bear? He's not too? interested in her. Really? He's like I'm in here for the cubs to eat them. Yeah. yeah. And she's like fighting and fighting and he just is so unbothered by it doesn't even affect him no he's like i'm just here for one thing man i want your cubs which Whoa. two he of doesn't, them he doesn't care cubs, two of them live survive. one of them break one of them is Went nerves the way. one of them he loses his nerves and busts out of the den and the sound and how long the sound goes on when that and that's a stout freaking grizzly yeah man. oh yeah he was and the hard part about it is the the two dudes filming it kind of like it detracts from the video yeah they're speculating yeah <laughs> it's they're no uh what's that dude that does all the narration for nature movies Attenborough. Oh, yeah they're yeah. not at they're yeah. no, David no they're not. <laughs> <laughs> okay so there you are you're out you check a few snares you see some grizzly tracks was it a whopper the track they were pretty big I don't know if I've ever, I mean, you go to Yellowstone, you see big grizzly bears, but they were big to me. You know, they seemed pretty big. You know what a good rule of thumb is? Please tell me. Well, I want you to verify it. Oh. Uh, You measure the front pad. Oh, is it from the, is it from the corner to like the. Just the width of the front pad. Just the top part. Add an inch. And that'll tell you roughly nose to tail what the height will stretch out. Not stretch out, but what it'll square out as. Oh, really? That's a Duncan Gilchrist trick. Okay. So if you find a black bear, he's got a five-inch pad. He's probably about a six-foot bear. Really? Okay. That's good to but, know. But I, I don't know if that works on Grizz. I know that he talks about it working on black bears, and I always used it as a rough estimate. For grizzlies? With grizzlies, yeah. Interesting. I'll have but to it might find be out. off. They might have a proportionately larger foot. Yeah. Well, and two... They got um, proportionately larger claws, that's for sure. Are there tracks... Different, like how do they, and depending on how you they step in the how snow the toes and line stuff up. too, you know. Like a black bear has got more of a dog-like deal, right? right. Where the 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 toes don't fall in a real straight line, right? But the grizzly's toes fall in a pretty straight line, and then obviously the claw mark yeah. will stick out an yeah. inch and a half, two inches out. No, it was a, it was definitely grizzly tracks. <laughs> So you see him and you go like, wow, there's one back in here. Oh, yeah. I thought it was, su- I mean, I had been finding wolf tracks, black bear tracks, moose tracks, everything. So I see him. I was like, oh, that's super cool. There was one. Yeah, there was one back here. So I keep walking and I get to this kind of avalanche shoot area. It's pretty open. And 
Remember an avalanche shoots coming down off the hill, down toward the trail? Yeah, um, yeah, and it's just, it's super open, not as um, not as many trees and more like bushes and things like that in there. Just walking down the trail and I'm, you know, I made some noise, I blew my whistle and just was looking to the right and looking around. Headed I'll, to another location. Yeah, so I was moving down the trail, just going to, I think I had maybe four or five more snare, hair snares to pick up. And yeah, I just heard this, oh, and I turned to my left. And he's, they ended up measuring it. He was about 11 feet from me on Walked my left Walked in 11 side. feet from him? Yeah. Because he's so old, he doesn't know what's going on anymore. I don't know if he didn't hear me, if he was laying down, or if he, because of the, I mean, the ridge, it dropped off, and the ridge was right there. There was maybe a foot, maybe two feet on the left-hand side, and then it dropped off down to the creek. Okay. So I don't know if he was He was on the downhill up. or uphill? Oh, I got yeah, you. Yeah, so I don't... I think so it wasn't like... It was like a somewhat obstructed view in that direction. Yeah, yeah. So I, like I said, he might have been laying down or he was coming up as I was coming down and just yeah. didn't hear me and I didn't see him in And he time. woofed. Yeah, he, he, he was just a woof. <laughs> and was he already motor in your direction? Uh, he was... Well, he was 11 feet for me, so he really didn't have to go very far. <laughs> but when, he, when you first registered him, he was stationary or yeah. coming? No, he was standing right there like, what? Excuse me. What are you doing here? <laughs> At 11 feet? Yes. Yeah, no, he was right next to me. On all fours or up on his hind? On all fours. Not looking happy. N- I mean, he was just, I don't know if I would say that. It, he just was like, didn't know what I was. <laughs> you know, He didn't have a real expression yeah. on his face. <laughs> Were his ears cocked back? Um, a little bit, you know, I don't even know if I, a little bit, but nothing like, you know, what that would normally do. How many pounds was the bear? So when they first captured him in 2005, I believe, and I also brought his family tree, which is super cool. <laughs> I, I wanted to know everything. Oh man, I, I want to know everything about it. Yeah. So they captured him originally in 2005 and they, he was, I think they put this in kilograms, 250 kilograms, I believe they put that in. Oh, the whole thing. But anyway, he ended up being originally 550 pounds. And so, I mean, you figure, what, 13 years? How long has it been? Last He's year. He's 24. Yeah. So he had to have been, and it was springtime, but he had to have been at least 600 pounds. I mean, he had to have gained some weight, you would think. So he was, I would say he was probably at least 600 pounds. And how well did you register it? Like how, how well, was it just when you review it in your mind now, was it like a blur? Was it like you just can remember every detail of the face? I can remember every detail. They showed me a picture they sent me a picture of him when he was originally captured. And I was like, oh yeah, that's him. Yeah. Really? Wow. Like yeah. You could have picked him out of a police lineup of, oh, yeah. of bears. Oh yeah. Cause he's, he's a little darker. He's got kind of a darker um, tone in his hair and just the face. I mean, I don't know what it was. His just his face is not engraved in my mind. Had he know? been in a lot of trouble in his life? No, no, he was not a trouble bear at all. He's born there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an original cabinet bear. Yep. So he's been popping out cubs and not him, but he's been yeah. you know. siring cubs. Yes. Yeah. So all of a sudden, eleven feet away, and then did you did you stay on it? locked on it to see him start to lunge or did you like did you kind of turn away and and know somehow sense that it was coming I just I knew I sensed that it was coming there was I mean I was so close to him that there was 
no way he wasn't going to come at me. And so my first initial reaction, which is kind of what they tell you not to do, but I mean, how often do people yeah. want a bear's right there? Listen, all uh, don't apologize. <laughs> okay. All of the things about, oh, you're supposed to do this when you're did it, do you do this. It's like all that stuff goes out the door. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, who's got that great saying? I think it's Tyson, maybe. Saying that says that like everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> oh, isn't that ro- oh? Is that what? Yeah, that's that is right. Yeah, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I think that's what it is. That's that's a good saying. A, a friend of ours who um did the ran the one of the SEAL training Navy SEAL oh, training yeah. courses. Like that's the thing is we talked about this where. You can rehearse something and practice something. You can eventually get to a point where when it's real, you've done it so much when it's not real in very real-seeming situations that you can function when it's real. Really? But it's hard to, it's hard to get there. Yeah. And you being like, oh, yeah, if a bear comes for me, I used to joke that I was going to grab his <laughs> upper jaw and lower jaw and spread his mouth out so he couldn't bite. <laughs> a joke, but I'm saying like, there's no way. Yeah. Well, I love when I, all my guy friends are, you know, and this was prior to everybody, all guys are like, oh, I could fight off a bear. I'm, <laughs> I'm a bear fighter. And yeah, I've had a lot of guys say that to me. And, you know, now this has happened. And they're like, I don't think I'm as tough as you. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, it is what it is. Yeah. So you just, uh, but you just knew. Oh, yeah. Knew. I mean, just instantly. I just had a feeling. And, and so, what was the feeling? Um, I, I don't, I, I, I just like knew he was fear, coming at me. Dread? No, I didn't. There was no time for fear. There was no time to. Just realization. Yeah. And I was like, this, okay, this is it. We're, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to survive. Like my thought process was I'm getting out of here. And I did everything that I could. So I ended up, you know, when I heard him, saw him, I mean, this is second. So oh, this yeah. all took so much time. I turned to the right and like got by a bush and just dropped down to the ground. And before I was even down all the way, I mean, he was already at my back and I had a pack on. He had smacked my back, clawed up my arm. And I, you know, I had my bear spray here, but my thought process was he's not going to tear up my guts. Like I'm walking out of here. And so that's why I turned and just dropped like as much as I could. And I'm just on the ground and just trying not to move any muscle in my body, getting this bear spray out. And I finally got it out and had the cap off. And I'm literally like this. Over how, over what period of time? A split second. Oh, this is like three seconds between, just between him coming there. It might've even been a second. I mean, the first physical contact felt like him blowing you with his arm. Oh, he did. Yeah. I thought I broke a rib when I was walking out. Like I thought he essentially broke my rib. He hit you that hard. Oh yeah. Cause he just came up and whack, just whacked me and just like, clawed up my arm and I was like I'm just working on Where getting on that bear spray uh, my right arm so on the back did it make it through your clothes it did you know I had three layers of yeah I had three layers on I believe three long sleeve layers on and I got a rain jacket and then I had this Columbia long sleeve shirt on and then I had another just kind of like a thinner must have been a short sleeve shirt on but still they were all fairly long but yeah it made it through and there's actually tears in my rain jacket and then on my right side of my back so right below like my shoulder blade kind of area there's still a scar and everything so he made it through that and I had a pack on like I had a huge osprey pack on and he still somehow was a I mean the punctured all that stuff yeah the bruise was huge I mean the how he made it through and there's even a there's even a gash on my pack on the top part of that you know that top part there was a gash on that I was like how did he even do that like think about they could yeah like they can run behind an elk 
and swat the elk's oh, yeah. rump and topple the elk. Mm-hmm. Dude, you could cock back as hard as you could ever hope to cock back and punch an elk in the rump, and it will not register the blow. No, right? I wouldn't even know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you make like a bruise Swipe its legs out from underneath it with a blow of that arm. It's insane. So you feel that, and it, did you? Were you like, oh, I just got whapped or cut or clawed or was it just did it just feel like this overwhelming kind of blow oh i mean i knew he hit me when he hit me he hit me i was like all right i'm gonna keep going like i'm gonna pull this bear spray out you, and you know? already got it in your head to get your spray oh yeah i mean i was working You're like focused yeah i was working on it and i just was trying not to move these arms at all because because of, of what reason well because he was i mean he was on top so he was right there and so any move i mean any movement and they see that Oh, they just you're like grab trying you. to play dead. Yeah, yeah. So or I'm play just like trying, not threatening. Yeah, I'm just trying not to move. And that, I mean, that part was where I was like, all right, just just pull it out, just do it. And then I took that, you know, that uh, clear cap off, and that's when the safety. Yeah, the safety. And that's when he had reached over and bit down on my head, and I just reached over my left arm, sprayed him, and he took off. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. The single most valuable tool I have for chasing turkeys next to my scatter gun is the Onyx Hunt app. If I'm hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. If I'm not hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. I'm always using Onyx. I live by that stuff. I can't tell you the number of birds this app has put me on by allowing me to easily find new areas to hunt. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. Even properties I know super well. And I'm at my buddy Bubbly Doug's house. I'm using Onyx, and I've hunted this place a million times. With their compass mode, I can pinpoint exactly on the map where a gobble rang out from and then figure out the perfect spot to set up. Meaning, if I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at Bubbly Doug's, and I'm in the navel, and I hear, I'll like instinctively pull up Bubbly Doug's place on on X and I'll look at the topography and I'll be like, oh, that sucker must be over in that little opening over there. Waypoints also, and the ability to share them, okay, comes in handy every spring. Whether that's revisiting old waypoints where I've been on birds before or sharing them to buddies to help put them on birds. This app will help you find more turkeys. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you too. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this turkey season. Hey, I'm excited to share our newest sponsor here on the Meat Eater Podcast, which is Poncho Outdoors. The reason I'm excited is I buy their shirts anyways. I don't, I don't I, listen, man, I, I rarely go into stores to buy clothes. I like to, I just buy my stuff online and I love their shirts. 
Max that I work with, Max Bard, who comes on the podcast one day. I don't know if he sent me a link to this place. I went on and bought some shirts. Dude, they make some good shirts. And they even have an option where if you're like a skinny dude, you can click like the skinny dude thing and get like a whole different cut of the shirt. It's great. Based in Austin, Texas, Poncho is committed to crafting the world's best outdoor shirts for men. They got it started out with a lightweight fishing shirt. Now they make all kinds of other lines. Western, denim, flannel, corduroy. Better fitting. Not not all baggy. Better performing because they got modern fabrics with some stretch and breathability. And way comfortable. Poncho is only sold on their own website. So head over to ponchooutdoors.com. Use code MEATEATER for a free hat or t-shirt with any purchase of a shirt. Poncho offers free shipping and returns, so you can try them out risk-free. Sprayed him over your shoulder while he's biting your head. over my shoulder, yeah. And you got yourself? I did, yeah. So it actually, I mean, because he was, I don't, he had to, he was on my pack. Were you on your knees? Yeah, so I was sitting on my butt. And just kind of had my legs out to the side. Well, you want up on your butt, like with your legs out. I did, yeah. How? I, I don't, I mean, I just ended up down there, but yeah. And he goes, to, he bites your head. He does. Is that which, the first bite? Yeah. That was God, the it's like you knew what he was Luckily, doing, man. And the only bite, which is crazy because I had fruit snacks and all kinds of stuff in that top part. You think he would have gotten into the top part of the bag and or like pulled the, but he was just, I don't know what it Neutralizing was. Neutralizing a threat. Yeah, and he just kind of went over and it wasn't, because I've had people ask me, what was the bite? And I was like, he just bit down on my head. And I I mean, I didn't feel any. I literally didn't feel anything. I heard stuff crunch, and then the hearing went out of my left ear. But I was so, like I said, I was going to get out. So I just literally reached over, sprayed him. And he, Could I see him or him just bl- shot blind? Nope, just shot blind, closed my eyes, sprayed, and I felt him come off of me. And he, he, went, on, he went away. And that was it. It's so what was the... Your hearing went out. Right away, instantaneously. And it was replaced by like a wee. Yeah, like static noise. Yep. So what was the wound? Did he did he make it through your skull? He did. So um, he, one of his canines actually punctured my brain, so went into my brain. Um, by the way, the doctor, and she's pretty sure she goes, it had to have been. By the way, it was shaped, everything ended up going into my brain. And so from kind of, just below my eye on my left side and then it wraps around and there's a there was a decent hole on this side and then it goes all the way to the back and I had staples all the way just right before my right ear on the back side so this hole you know your back of your head that whole lower part where all that muscle all that muscle tendons were all shredded like all that stuff was shredded so did he bite it like crosswise or like that was my next question i you know i honestly don't know so i also got i had about six staples on the top of my head so there was some kind of scrape so i think maybe the top part might have been like his upper right canine uh-huh. and then the re- this side was the left side of his mouth and then probably the back side was his bottom jaw and he was literally just like so i think he was kind of on his side and just like, and like a 45 degree sort of angle yeah, yeah wrapped around your like fit your head in his mouth oh yeah essentially yeah um you heard crunch a crunch yeah i did Did you like oh there's my skull i you know honestly i didn't know i i wasn't i was so focused on getting him off of me i thought but i wasn't for sure like i assumed it was my skull because i was like what else would it have been but i didn't know that it had cracked open all the way i mean you hear it and then, like I said, it was 
white noise in my ear and all this static. And so after that, I didn't really think about it. Like I just. With all those tendons gone, did you, was it like, did you notice that your head was hard to hold or move or? I didn't, I tried not to move my head too much just because I, 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 like I said, I wasn't sure that what he cracked open and what he, but I knew that he had touched my head. So I just tried not to move my head and, but it was hard walking out because I, I walked You put your hand back there to see how much blood there was? No. At one point, so I had a hat on too, mind you, and I had super long hair. So my hair was super long all the way down to my lower back. And I had a ponytail in and had a hat on. And I hadn't even found, I was walking out and my hat happened to fall out of my hair. And I was like, oh, that's my hat. That's really weird. So I picked it up and put it on. And then, I don't know, I was just walking out. Like, I just Why did you not check to see if it was all super bloody? I didn't want to know. You know what's funny? (laughs) This This is like... Nah, I shouldn't even be telling this story because your story is cool and this isn't. I was in a car rollover one time and I had just bought a coffee. Oh. And when the car got done rolling over, my head was all hot. Oh, from the coffee? And I was like, oh, my head cracked open and that's all my blood. And then I uh, touched it and looked and there's no blood. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And I touched it. And I'm like, oh, it's that coffee. And I was like, totally fine. Oh, well, that's but good. But for a minute, I had like the feeling of my life blood. Oh, yeah. All the blood flowing. running out of you. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's actually nothing wrong with me. Well, at least you didn't get any burns from the coffee, and that's what I would be worried about. So um, you uh, you don't put your hand back there. But it had to been bleeding bad, right? Probably. And, I mean, okay, are you later, in shock? Is your, is your whole jacket and everything just soaked through? You know, honestly, I, I, I really don't know. So when You lost all your gear? No, it was all with me. So I still had my pack. I still had everything. I, I mean, literally after the hop. Oh, yeah. So they, they cut. Yeah, they cut. So they, they were able to, well, that's not true. They were able to take my rain jacket off and they just kind of took everything from me. Like the rest of my clothes, they had essentially had to cut off of me. So how many stitches and staples? I had, oh, I used to know the number. Uh, we're getting too far ahead. I want to know how far <laughs> the walkout was. Two miles. So and I now had, you're in shock. I don't know about that. I mean, I almost, I almost didn't hit the inreach, hit the SOS, because I was fine and I could see. And so I'm literally sitting there and I sat there. You got pepper spray in your face? Yeah. Well, and I couldn't really tell right away, but I could definitely feel it. Burning. And I didn't know for sure. Um, But I just sat there for a couple seconds just waiting. And then I was like, okay. Like waiting for him to come back and maul you again. Yeah, to see if he was going to come back. And he he wasn't coming back. So I just looked around and I pulled out my inreach and I'm like, God, this is my third day. Do I really hit the SOS button <laughs> on your third day? You know, and I was like, well, what if I end up not being able to make it out? And I was like, I'll, I guess I'll hit it. But I literally debated it for at least probably five to ten tech- seconds. Like, okay, so here's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you debated it. Like now it seems funny that you debated it because you weren't in your right mind or you debated it like a rational person no it was definitely rational just because it was my third day and who wants okay. to call the sos and granted like this was probably is i shouldn't say probably this was a decent size injury but who wants to it's your third day and you're already hitting the sos button you're like oh man <laughs> you so know. you didn't register it as something like kind of life-changing no yeah i mean when i walked out of there i was like ah, i'll be i'll be back to work in a month i didn't really think i was gonna not be able to go back to work for four or five months, yeah. which isn't long. I mean, people have, that's what I mean. This isn't, it was pretty bad what happened, but I'm super fortunate to have healed up as much as I have and everything. So. Oh, not be dead. Yeah. Could have been a lot worse. Yeah. You like, yeah. Cause he could have added probably 20 pounds or who knows how many pounds of pressure it would oh, have gosh. taken and 
crushed your skull altogether. And yeah, which it was very, and I, it was light. Or you could have had your pepper spray in a stupid place. Yeah, well, that's and that's why I said I don't know if I had it in the right. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I. I mean, how can you argue? Yeah, how do you? Everybody puts it in a different place, and like you said, you practice and everything. But until you're actually in the situation, and I always knew I was going to run into because I've run into black bears, so I always figured I would see a grizzly, even though there's not a ton up in the cabinet yak area. There's still quite a few bears, so I always knew I would run into them. Never once did I think that one would be 11 feet for me. <laughs> what the walk? What was the walk out like? Um. So it was mainly just me just trying to focus. And I, you know, they say that you can use 911 when you don't have service. Because in Libby, you yeah, go on the force, yeah. you don't have service. Through satellite. Yeah, and it wasn't working. And I don't know if that's because I had a ton of trees and everything. But I had hit the inReach, and I was just, I was literally just messaging anybody I could, just trying to remember. And I was looking around, and I yelled pretty much the entire time. And I only had. <laughs> Were you yelling? Oh, I was just cussing and yelling and screaming bear I, don't, I was literally yelling anything to try to keep the bear away or try to alert help no to keep any more bears or moose from coming my way <laughs> that's yeah. the other thing you're just like, done you're done for the day yes yeah, yeah i turned around and i was like yeah i'm gonna step out just in case you know so it was just me just i, I was like i'm gonna make it out and i just kept walking and just yelled and made as much noise as possible and i mean i just screamed my lungs off which at the time, I didn't really feel anything, but towards you know the end, once I got to surgery and everything, my head was just throbbing. But when I was getting down to that bridge, because it's so loud down there, I just kept thinking, "Oh, please don't let another bear be down here. Just let me get out." Because I didn't, I didn't have a second can of bear spray. I only had maybe a half an inch, if that. I barely had any bear spray left. But I've got that in my hand, and I've got my inReach in my hand, and I'm just yelling and screaming, and if I can, whacking trees with whatever and cursing up a storm like this is my third day <laughs> and i thought i was literally like i better find a moose shed out here right now <laughs> you know just doing anything i can to just get myself out. were you hauling ass or were you going slow no i was walking pretty fast as fast as i could so my balance was thrown off a little bit i could see and i could hear uh for the most part out of my one my right ear my good ear um but my balance was kind of thrown off some so i was like because he bit me on the side, I guess, where your balance is and yeah. everything. And so they've been super worried about that. And and so I was off balance and could tell, like, it, I was a little off. So I kind of had to, like, spread my legs a little bit and walk in a different way. But I was walking as fast as I could just to get – I needed to get out of there. And you got to your truck or car? I got to my truck. So we had, a, we had work trucks that they gave us. And I took off my pack and put everything in there. And I actually – took out a snack and I was like well they're probably not gonna let me eat at the hospital so I better eat something <laughs> got in my truck and I looked in the rear view and I was like no I don't need to see that started it up what did you see in the mirror my eyes oh you didn't like examine no I got you. so when I was walking out you know you're talking about blood and everything I my nose was running like crazy and that that's about the only thing that I could tell running blood or no, it was just draining because, you know, my ear had been and uh. everything and where he had bit me. So it was just draining. And I was like, that's super weird. So I didn't know why. And then. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was really. And that's about the only thing. And so like, you, I said, you were like tempted been. to look, but just didn't want to look. Yeah. No. Because I was like, well, I mean, pe animal blood I'm good with. People blood I'm fine. Like I give blood and everything. But I was like, you know, just in case. I don't need to pass out or anything. So I'll just <laughs> start the truck up. Yeah. Put it in reverse and got out. I just started driving out there. And like I said, I'm on Did an old Did you feel like you were driving forest. normal? 
Um, like you were able to drive normal. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, I, I, it was a little tough. Like I was sitting a little higher, sitting a little closer, just trying to make sure rolled down my windows and just started honking my horn. Cause I was like, there's going to be somebody here. And I literally just laid on my horn. And then when I finally got to, cause I was on an old forestry road there too, I had kind of stopped. And once I finally got into the main road, which was all dirt, I was literally, i gunned it a little more and I was just honking honking like crazy looking for anybody because I figured there would be a bear hunter somebody out there and I ended up I don't know I probably drove for three or four miles and ended up running into somebody and he was way ahead of me and he's got this huge dog in his truck and I'm pretty sure it was a bull mastiff and the dog is hanging out of the passenger seat like hey we should probably pull over dad hey what are you doing you know and he's just hanging on the seat and I'm honking my horn honking my horn trying to get him to pull over finally he pulls over I pull over and I get out and put the truck in park, get out. And I just walk up to him. I'm like, excuse me. And he looks at me and goes, oh dear, are you okay? And I said, I got attacked by a grizzly bear. Could you maybe take me to the local hospital? And he goes, of course. And I went and turned off the truck, rolled off all the windows, locked the truck, put my keys in my pocket. And I went and got in the backseat. He goes, I'm sorry, my dog's probably just going to love on you. And he's like trying to hold him back. And he was a retired veteran and everything. So he had been in the military, super nice. And, um, he's just talking to me and just trying to keep me, you know, he's talking about stuff, but I could he didn't try to administer him. any first aid. Nope. Nope. He's like, no, I'll get you there. He's like, and I was like, I hit my inReach, but I'm not sure if they're coming. Like I had no idea if anybody was coming. I yeah. mean, you hit that SOS button and they kept sending me texts like, are you okay? And, and I'm like, no, I'm not okay. Like I hit that. How am I going to text you? I don't even have sir, you know? And so I was super frustrated with that. And so he kind of knew what was going on and he was just trying to get me there and just, you could tell he was he didn't changing inspect, He doesn't inspect you? No, no. Because you were talking it up. Uh, he was, yeah, because I think that enough, I, and, and like I said, I hit the end reach, so I think he thought that the ambulance was probably coming, you know, so, but and yeah. How many minutes had gone by now? Gosh, so it took me an hour and a half, maybe hour and 45 minutes to get back down to my truck. Okay. So it had probably been two, almost two and a half hours Still by no the ambulance. time. We went for about a mile, mile and a half in the ambulance. We were like running into the, and he's waving them down, waving them down. And then he finally pulled over and he's like, I got her, I got her. And they pulled over and everything. And I got out and yeah. And what was their take on this? What'd they do? Oh, what? I guess what they're supposed to do. They're just like, okay, you got to take off your jacket. Okay. Cutting off your shirt. And they just start, okay, we're going to have to take off your, you know, all your clothes. Like let's get you in. And they're just looking me over and everything. And then they finally like. They're asking me what happened and everything. And I was like, well, I was out there. Was a, are you sure it was a grizzly bear? Yes, it was a grizzly bear. I know it was, the, you know, I, I was like, I know my bears. And they got me in there. And then I believe the sheriff and two other guys showed up while I was in the ambulance. And they were asking me questions and about kind of what happened and everything. And I just told them and told them where it was. And they actually, I, think, I believe it was that day, they ended up sending, I don't know, at least 11 people up there to just kind of do a search to see if the bear had come back. And they have this whole protocol that they go through. And they ended up collecting hair, and that's how they were able to determine which bear it was. How was the decision made? There were, how was the decision made to not kill the bear? Well, because I, I like think... you didn't press charges. No, no, because it wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, usually when a bear gets someone, it's a dead bear. Uh, you know, I don't know, and I don't know all of the stories, and I don't know the whole protocol, but I do know, I mean, they did ask me, and I was like, well, it wasn't predatorial. I wasn't hit, we just happened to run into each other, and, and so he wasn't there. you advocated for the bear. Yeah, because, I mean, 
that's so, I would, I don't want him to die. I mean, it was so random and so rare and the bear spray worked. So I think that has a whole play in it too. So he attacked me and something happened, but I survived and the bear spray worked, which me, and he's not a troubled bear. So they don't, they rarely see him except for the DNA stuff. And so there's no, there's no other issues with him. I mean, there's no really yeah. reason to kill him, you know? Yeah. So he's a first, I guess a first offense kind of bear, which sounds, I guess it doesn't sound terrible, but at the same time, it's like, who's to say that it's going to happen again? I mean, it was just such a rare occurrence, you know? So, well. But you were involved in the discussion. Um, I did, they did ask me and I told them, I, I told, I don't know if I was involved, but I did tell them I didn't want them to kill it. Like I was like, how did no they put reason. the question to you? Oh gosh. Well, I was, st- I wasn't even in surgery and they, they just kind of asked me, they asked me what happened and they said, do you think it was predatorial? And I said, no, I said, we just ran into each other. Like it was just Got wrong it. place, wrong time. Yeah. And then they kind of make the final decision. Like I said, the fact that he didn't come back to the site. Gotcha. And wasn't searching or wasn't still there trying to find me, I think puts a, plays a big role in it, you know. And what was his name? 770, but I call him Rat Bastard. <laughs> Am I what? allowed to say that? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can say that. That's cool. That's, that's in this, in this I case. mean, I didn't want him to die, but he's still, you know, he still made me a little upset. Right. <laughs> you, you weren't exactly uh, running at him. He could have just turned and walked away. It's not like you hauled off and punched him. Right. Yeah. I wasn't asking for his food, whatever he was digging for, you know. <laughs> what was the, what, so what, what was the surgery? They had to put your skin back together. Um, skin, skull, bones, kind of everything. What did they do to your skull? Put a little plate in there? They actually put, so there's a bunch of screws and kind of, they call them dog bones, but they're bands or plates. And it's, there's just a bunch in my left side, and then there's a bunch in the back on my left, behind, like behind my ear. And yeah, they just, what they had to do, so there was a bunch of broken pieces of my skull, because, you know, he had punctured my brain and everything. And then they had to cut kind of like a moon shape on the left side of my skull, just so that they could put the other pieces back together and then kind of put it all back together. So there's no, there's like plates, they call them bones, but they're, they look like bands, so it's just like screw band screw screw band screw and it's just keeping all the pieces and everything together so how much time did you spend in the hospital only a week huh yeah so that wasn't too bad now what have you noticed from like uh because you punched into your brain do you notice differences now i don't i actually i was super fortunate that i mean i didn't i was a little nervous i was gonna lose something oh, when she yeah, told man. me that the yeah. someone tells you that memory you gotta like start or... looking at yourself in a new way like expecting yeah. some or hoping you don't find some like i remember a buddy of mine uh you know he'd crashed his bike real hard mm-hmm. and had amnesia and was hospitalized and he would later he'd be like I, I i'm totally fine but now and then i'll be tying a knot a fishing knot or something like that yeah i'm like i know that i know this knot Oh, you just can't. Did I normally forget it or is it related? Right. Because I knew this. I've tied this a hundred times. Why can't I remember? Yeah. And he was always like trying to find out what was just normal and what, you know, like (laughs) what's normal and what's that, you know? Well, you hate to sit around and think like that, but I have lost a few things out in the woods and I was wondering the other day, I was like, did I lose my... And I don't even know what that would be. You're lost and found common sense out in the woods because I've lost a couple of knives where one, I just, I had it in my rain jacket pocket and I just walked a couple of steps and I was out in the snow and it fell out. 
And so I was, and I couldn't find it. It had just like gone deep in the snow. And then at one point I lost a water bottle and a flannel and another knife. And I was like, what the heck is going on with me? Well, listen, you know? Steve's brother has not been bitten in the head by a bear. <laughs> and that dude, he's got to bring out like four sets of clothing when he goes out for a week-long elk hunt. <laughs> so you, you don't feel like um, everything moves normal? Yeah, I, I am still, so I'm still in recovery. I mean, it hasn't been spared. It'll be a year in May, and I'm still in recovery, and definitely hiking is is definitely a lot. And I don't know if that's mainly because, like, I can't hear out of my ear. So everything that you guys feel, like, when you're out hiking, you feel it in your chest and everything, I feel in my head. I used to feel it a lot more in the beginning, like the pulse and everything. I could just feel in my head. It was, like, just pounding in my head and in my chest from hiking and walking around. And I don't feel it as much, but I do still feel it. So when I'm on a strenuous hike, and I, I do, I have to take kind of more breaks than I would normally have to take. Okay. So there's things like that, but I, I hope with time it'll just – eventually like I'll be at a maintenance level where either I have to do that or I won't have to do it anymore or I'll still have to kind of in the middle, you know. But other than that, I mean, in the hearing, that was a huge um, new thing to learn. <laughs> and your hearing's back now? No, it's gone forever. No more hearing in my left ear. Just dead? Mm-hmm, yep. Does it throw off your equilibrium? Um, a little bit, it throw, it definitely throws off like location. So I can't lo- try oh, yeah. to locate stuff. Like blue grouse hunting to be out for you. Oh, probably. Yeah. A go- or a gobble or a bugle. No, a turkey yeah. gobble. You don't know where it gobbled. Yeah. I, I mean, I was fortunate. So I actually did do some hunting last September and I was fortunate enough and it was good because I didn't have any hearing aids at the time. And so just trying to locate and everything, my dad would be like, it's over there. Like he's calling. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure it's over there. And, and so it was a whole, it was stressful but just having to I mean you basically just got to reteach yourself and the hearing aids help some and there's another hearing aid that I could get but I probably won't because I'd have to get another surgery and everything oh, okay um but I mean it's just learning how to relocate stuff with just one I mean people do it all the time right I'm you, sure you figure many. it out you yeah. adjust yeah. what was the injury that uh took your hearing in your left ear so it was my and they don't know for sure how it happened but my inner ear and they can't fix okay. your inner ear. So that's the only part of the ear that they can't do surgery or fix or anything. And that's what got broken. So basically all the hairs and follicles and everything that's in there are just dead and they're never going to come back. So there's no, yeah. Yeah, there's no nothing, which is crazy because you think about where your inner ear was. I mean, his teeth really had to have been far in there. And they just, I mean. But it didn't shred your ear. No, no. It's so weird. I mean, the whole thing is just so a weird. puncture. More. Yeah. How many crazy uh, media requests did you get? How many crazy what? Media, media, like oh. interview requests. Um, I don't even know. At least probably at least ten. The first couple weeks, I got one from one of those big talk shows over in New York, morning talk shows or something, and they were like, "We want to talk to you tomorrow, tomorrow morning, and we're gonna put you on the set." And I was like. No, no, this isn't happening. Like I'm still, I still staples in my head. No, and that's nobody's ever offered me anything, which I don't. You know, I don't really need that. I was just curious, not so much. Like I was just curious if that's how they operate or not. Um, you know, I don't know, and I also I don't really ask for money either because I'm like, well, I'll do it. You know, but it's got to be under the right circumstances. So I'm really picky on the interviews and things that I do because I don't want anybody to turn my story into something 
oh, she loved bears and then she got attacked by bears and now she wants to still work for bears. And that's just not me. <laughs> oh, you can spin a thousand yarns on it, man. Yeah. Or you could be like, she had done some bear hunting in the past. Yeah. Well, people hate that. And this is karma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there was quite a few. Like I said, I even get hit now on that. What, what did I say it was? Oh, I was prey. I wasn't prey. He, like a TV show. Yeah, he didn't hunt me so down. Like a, like a, who, what channel was it? It was. I think it was the Discovery Channel. They want to do a show. I am prey. Yeah, or I was prey. I was prey. Yeah, I was like, no. You turned that down. Yeah, well, I'm not. I wasn't prey. <laughs> I think their definition of prey is very different than what my definition is. So you're not like um, you really uh, you're not really interested in the limelight. No. Why'd you come talk to us? I was surprised you did. Well, because. I don't know. You guys are super well known and I love listening to your podcast and you guys are really educational and you bring in educational people. And so it's, it's a different interview. I mean, you're not asking me to cry and tear up and talk, you know, you just want to hear my story and you're asking questions and you're insightful. And so it's not like you don't want to make it a big emotional mess. <laughs> you don't feel the urge to cry right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> Golly. If, okay. If, uh, if Okay, if you could go back to that day, you know this. You know what I'm going to ask you. No, but if you could go back to that day, uh-huh. would you still get out of the truck and go off the trail? Yeah, you, really. Yeah, really. Well, because I mean, if I'm going back, so if I'm going back to this day, right? Am I going back to this day and a knowing what you now know, that's knowing what I mean. that I was going to get? So I'm going back, knowing that I'm going to get attacked. Yeah. Oh well, that's tough. But no, I'd probably still go. Because what if it didn't like actually found, happen? What like if you I, found something in it? What, I don't, I don't what know. What did you find in it? I, I mean, you have to be a hell of a lot more confident. Not that you weren't confident then. It sounds like you really were confident and competent, but you're forged by fire now. Well, that's true. I don't know, because even though if I'm going out there knowing that I'm going to get attacked, I could say that, but you could. that's like driving your car, knowing that you're going to get in a car accident. I wouldn't drive it. Ever. What I mean is this. Um, was it so, was the, was the life lesson or whatever, hmm. the experience so exhilarating, the life lesson so valuable, the things you learned about yourself so important that you would take the getting bit and the surgery and the loss of your ear as payment for the experience or was it not worth it? No, it was worth it. I mean, I learned, you learn a ton about yourself. How often do people get attacked or, you know, they get into something and so many people have told me, they're like, I wouldn't have been able to make it out. And I said, you probably would have. You just, you don't know at the time. And I mean, I survived. I was bound and determined to get out. I was going to get out. And I've learned a lot. Like I thought, I definitely thought I was going to be back to work in a month. Well, after being in that hospital, I could barely walk around the hospital just because I was so weak from all the meds and not eating and everything they give you and you're in there for so long and just walking up my parents' driveway, of course they have a, you know, a slated driveway and everything was tough for me. And, but I figured out what I can do and what I can't do. And granted the hearing loss is, it, it sucks. It's really hard, but I'm learning so much about myself and learning things about my friends and about people and how people really interact together. And I think it's done nothing but, but, I mean, I want to still want to be a bear manager. I still want to work with bears. I want, I have more education now from this bear 
biting me on the head than I probably did before. And I feel like I can help people out more and teach them and, and do something with my experience to help them survive and know that they can. I mean, you can, it's, and know that it will happen. You know, we just, sometimes we get complacent and we're out there and we're not always thinking cause we just get so involved in the woods, but you, you do, you have to remember that there's other things out there that vigilance. Yeah. I bet you won't have a problem with vigilance for a long time. I hope not. <laughs> uh, the happy part of the story, not, not that any of this is particularly sad. Um, I, 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 I don't like it that you lost the hearing in your ear and that you had to have surgery and had such a disruption in your life, but it's like uplifting because you're who you are, right? And you have the attitude you have. Yeah. Which for me, from sitting in my seat, I'm like, wow, this is like, it's phenomenal that that's your approach and that you don't harbor animosity. Yeah, I appreciate Toward that. bears is pretty remarkable. Um, and then you wound up, we talked about this earlier, you, you got a job. I did. Like yeah. a regular old job. Yep, a real adult job. <laughs> With bears. Yeah, so I got the East Panhandle bear biologist position. And so it's in bear Florida. management. Yep, in Florida. And it's doing bear management, really what I want to do, educating the public and um, managing, you know, bears. And they have they have a ton of issues. They've got 4,000 black bears throughout the entire state, roughly, throughout the entire state of Florida. And so there's a lot of bears and there's a lot of people. And so I'm... And they lost their bear season. Yeah. Or it kind of comes, ebbs and flows, but yeah. out now. Which, you know, isn't always... I mean, hunting, I love hunting and I'm a huge promoter for it, but it's not always the answer when it comes to conflict and issues. Yeah. Sure. I mean, there's... There's a lot of other stuff and fencing and, and just educating the public and letting them know, you know, hey, your garbage can isn't right. Let's let's get this fixed. Yeah, you're and, dealing with the on-the-ground reality. Yeah. They're like, whatever's happening politically or ever around the bear hunts, you still got bears, you still got people. Right, right, yeah. So it'll be a good job. I'm excited. Are you going to be doing some uh, hair snaring, counting, genetic work? No, probably not. So our research in Florida normally does some of that. But I did, so when I was there previously a couple of years ago, so I'm actually moving back to the place where I did capture and telemetry work and monitored all of our sows with cubs and everything. So I'm super excited about that. And we did, you know, we collected hair for DNA and we tattooed them and put collars on. And then all the cubs had collars, which was really awesome monitoring all these cubs running around. And so I know a lot about the area. So I'm super excited. And I know some of the bears, I'm sure there's some of them are still around, you know, is it a state position? It is. Yeah. Healthcare. Uh, yeah. So they do, they provide benefits, but the kind of the way their system works is I don't, I don't get vacation days, but once I'm there for a year, then I'll get vacation, which is kind of actually normal, I guess yeah, for some yeah. agencies, you know, you don't get vacation until you've been there for a while. So, but yeah. Good for you. Thank That's you. Great. Yeah, you made it. You're a full-fledged <laughs> wildlife person. I know. It's You're crazy. not an accountant. I'm not a tech. <laughs> yeah. You still got hearing in your right ear. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Do you got any final things you want to wedge in there? Um, Concluders? My only concluder is I'm a huge supporter of the Western Bear Foundation, so everybody should kind of look into that. Okay. We're doing an event in Boise I'm pretty excited about, and they have a bear relief fund, which is awesome, and it's for anybody who gets attacked by a bear or has any conflicts, and we're definitely going to try to help them out as much as we can, okay. which is super awesome because there was a ton of attacks last year. So hopefully we don't have that again, but we definitely want to be able to help, pe- help people out. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's your plug? That's my plug. Tell us again. Western Bear Foundation. They got a website? Yeah, they do. And Bear Relief Fund. Bear Relief Fund. Yep. To help offset 
costs yeah, help. associated with, with, with bears. Yeah, any hospital bills or anything, we'd, we'd definitely love to help out and be able to donate some some funds for people who get attacked or have issues. And in your case, expertise. Funds, <laughs> funds and expertise. <laughs> I don't know about expert, but we'll see. Yanni, you got anything? No, I'm good. Thanks for coming. That was, uh, that was a great. Yeah, I'm so glad you Thank came you. to talk to us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Don't go doing stupid TV shows. Okay, I won't. <laughs> Be more careful. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> All right, thank you. Hey, I'm excited to share our newest sponsor here on the Meat Eater Podcast, which is Poncho Outdoors. The reason I'm excited is I buy their shirts anyways. Dude, they make some good shirts. And they even have an option where if you're like a skinny dude, you can click like the skinny dude thing. It's great. Based in Austin, Texas, Poncho is committed to crafting the world's best outdoor shirts for men. Poncho is only sold on their own website. So head over to ponchooutdoors.com. Use code MEATEATER for a free hat or t-shirt with any purchase of a shirt. Poncho offers free shipping and returns, so you can try them out risk-free. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to consumers is simple. Gear the way you'd design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. I've used that sport dog collar in different temperatures. It just doesn't stop working. Get 20% off your first purchase using code MEATEATER. So go to www.sportdog.com slash MEATEATER to learn more.